0: Hey there, you got Jeff. I've got about 15 seconds before my dog barks again, so I'll make this quick. If you're looking to connect with other customer success leaders who are trying to operationalize customer success in their companies, come over to gaingrowretain.com and join now. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Gain Grow Retain. We have another installment of our CS leadership office hours coming on today and we took a different approach last week We split everyone up into four different breakout rooms uh, via Zoom's breakout rooms feature. And so we got back, you know, four different videos. And so our attempt here is to try and piece together just some of the the best snippets from each of those rooms and really highlight some of the key findings or uh, discussions that were happening. So uh, to give you a sense, two of the questions that we had really asked were what are the leading indicators of churn that folks are looking for right now? Uh, How are you kind of tracking customer health and risk? And then the second one was uh, kind of what playbooks are you deploying to respond to those health risks? And so obviously, COVID-19 is very uh, pertinent to the situation. But really, we're just trying to understand how these companies are approaching customer health, how we're measuring it, and really trying to get into the leading aspects. So, I uh, hope you enjoy the episode. You'll hear, you know, a bunch of uh, snippets from what we pulled out, and I uh, hope you enjoy. Welcome
1: to the Game Grow Retain podcast.
2: Hi everyone, my name is Sarah Roba. I uh, lead customer success at Skilljar. Um, we're a customer training platform. So. Uh, usage on our platform has increased pretty significantly because so many organizations obviously can't do uh, live training, which they were previously doing in person. So they're looking to platforms like Skilljar to uh, do all of their training virtually at this point. So, a couple of things that we've done we have a fairly extensive customer health um, kind of score that's already built out for all of our accounts, but we certainly revisited that when COVID started. Um, A couple of key factors that we're hyper focused on now, Um, one is usage. So we took a look at what were the usage trends by account from February to March and now March to April to see are are there certain accounts where we're seeing a significant increase where they're leaning more into using our product or are there others that are typically falling into these highly impacted industries where there's significantly higher risk. So just looking at trending usage before We were just more looking at monthly usage how does that correlate with actual contract value so just refining that usage usage metric Um, the second thing that we did is we've done a kind of covid risk assessment so we have about 300 customers at this point so it was a project that was within scope of what we could do but basically we went through all of our accounts and identified based on usage trends that we're seeing as well as a couple of other factors like are they highly impacted industry We basically assessed, is there a positive impact, a neutral impact, or a negative impact to their business? We essentially developed playbooks around each of those different factors to make sure that we were appropriately addressing um, the the additional risks that came across each of those accounts. Um, I would say the most highly impactful playbook that we have implemented, though, is executive sponsor outreach. So basically what we Mm -hmm. did is Uh, We took all of our accounts and basically assigned a skill jar executive to 25 of our top 100 accounts. So every executive has 25 accounts. We developed an email template. We all did, you know, personalized email blasts to each of these executives. And I think we've probably had maybe a 15 to 20% response rate, but it's resulted in some really productive conversations. One, we understand what's the impact to their business and obviously the impact to our, um, you know, top ARR accounts, uh, but it's also given us insight into trends that they're seeing on their end. Where do they fall in those risk categories? Um, but on the later end, it's also prompted us to finally execute on our executive sponsor strategy, which I plan <laughs> just as a guest leader, we will do this forever moving forward. So it's been beneficial from that perspective, but I would say overall, you know, one of the takeaways that I got from, one of these office hours a couple of weeks ago was simplifying customer health, and we've certainly done that. A lot of the factors that our CS team was very much focused on, they're still focused on those things, just from a continuous account maintenance perspective. But what I'm looking at and what I'm reporting to our executive team is more of this kind of simplified business factors, um, where COVID is kind of playing a big role in that, and then um, really simplifying just what the CS team is focusing on and making sure that we're focused on the right things, because I think. At least at SkillJar, there are probably other CS leaders that can relate to this. CS has a tendency to take on so much and do so much specifically around just additional project work within organizations, especially if you're a fast-growing startup, Um, and we've really pulled back a lot of the extra work that we've done and just really honed in on what are the key plays that we should be running with all of our accounts and kind of wiped out a lot of the noise. So that's how we've shifted strategy a bit at SkillJar, Mm -hmm. but I'm curious to hear how other teams are approaching customer health, and kind of assessing risk.
3: So Sarah, a question for you. Do you, yeah. are you anticipating that your usage is going to stay high after things settle down and everybody goes back because companies are realizing it's it's maybe more efficient to be online and not do all the travel and send facilitators out?
2: Yeah, that's a great question. Um, my, my perception or my, uh, what I anticipate will happen is that Companies are, it's interesting, a couple of the trends that we've seen is not just a big shift from live training to on-demand training, but a lot of our customers who were previously pricing all of their content are doing pretty significant promotions where they're opening up their content to everyone, removing Mm -hmm. the price, and it's skyrocketing engagement. The one thing that's currently open is they don't necessarily know the longer-term business impact of that, but I anticipate it will be significant. And I think that is going to shift people to to answer your question to totally shifting their strategy overall longer term. So if anything it has added fuel to the flame and I don't think I think that once all of this settles down the value of virtual on demand training will be so prevalent that they won't even think about reverting back to the previous way of doing things just because the cost savings is significant and the impact is substantial as well. So I anticipate this will be a long term. You know, this will be the way things go moving forward.
3: Sure. And one byproduct out of all of this is maybe when it's all said and done, you'll have some great case studies and some more customer references than you have yeah. in the past, right?
2: Certainly. Our uh, our marketing team is all over that at the moment, and honestly, you know, doing the executive outreach as well has given us good insight into this. We have a lot of customers that have indicated. You know, this is the new world of work and this is what we're doing moving forward, and just validated our assumption that this is the way things are gonna go moving forward.
4: Hi there, my my name's Jackie Clayton. Um, and this is my first time here too, so I appreciate you um doing this. Our um one thing that was really interesting, my product, I work for a company called Hiring Solved, and we um help people with recruiting, as the name suggests we were able to find some things right away that were kind of um, interesting that our luxury brands were not having as much success. Um, And then some of the other brands that we were able to see uh, build up and ramp up, um, like um, looking at people like who sold um, products for your home or different things like that has kind of changed. Uh, We made the drastic decision, but it makes sense to give everybody our product for free for the rest of the year. Um, and then we were in the middle of a transition to a new product. And so what we've we've kind of shifted because some of our, it's feast or famine. Um, people that are considered essential industries, of course, are having to hire uh, more, but they were also needing to um, use our product to sort to find the best candidates because we're seeing an influx of people applying for those jobs because of the way that the industry is, is working. So we um, decided because we, we knew we could help in that space that we would give our product away for free. Um, the the trade-off is working with those customers and building out some of the features to see that, makes, that make the most sense because we're going to be moving into a different time in the world of hiring. So that's been um, the biggest change. From a, from a success standpoint, it went for, um, it went from a what can we do to help you, these are some of the things to see, to more of a, we are a big family, we need to work on this together, more open-based webinars, um, video communication from our our CEO rather than things that are written, and then um, building it out in two ways for the people that are doing the most, um, still working with our business, because it was dramatic, like these people started working with it, and then half the business, gone. So we started nurturing that half of the business that we knew had layoffs and furloughs and started training them on the skills they're gonna to need, to need, the, need for the new business of work. And then started working more um, strategically with the ones that we knew were gonna have an influx of hiring so that everybody can reach that point when it opens up. Um, in the world of, of hiring and recruiting, um, some of us have been through recessions before, not obviously not a pandemic before, but when they, when they flip the switch back on and the floodgates happen, from the recruiting standpoint you just get beat up like you have to be ready for when that happens and it will happen where you went from nobody applying to your job Um, in six months we're going to see thousands of people for your job we already have a client that's a top name client that gets over 2,000 applicants per job and they're still still hiring um so we've been looking at that but then we've also been tracking what's been going on with COVID with the opportunities that have been um coming out. So we've been using that information for all of our clients of kind of tracking the information that we can see from who is hiring, what cities are hiring, what industries are hiring and sharing that information if they need to make any pivot within their own company. So we've been sharing that information with them.
3: So as far as giving your product away for free, it was that only to existing customers or would you, were you letting some of your prospects come in and start using for free as well?
4: No, it's all prospect customers, um, letting them in. With everyone else that is there, if we knew that there was something going on with them, we were negotiating with them to see if they were being affected financially by it. But um, no, 100% free for everybody who, um, it, we said that we were going to do essential, but it's, it's just interesting because we are hiring of what essential means. <laughs> and so um, we've kind of opened it up and worked with them and it's free for everyone for the, until the end of the year.
3: And uh, when, when the end of the year comes and you cut off that free service and some people, some companies move away, are you going to factor that into your churn at all? Or or how are you going to consider that?
4: No. And I was, and you know, all of us that are in customer success, I was jumping on that. Like none of them affect my numbers, right? Because none of the full assessment, is this the right fit for our company? Is this the right client? Do they have all of those things? Because we're doing it very fast. So it doesn't affect the churn numbers. We'll just be looking at all of them as new customers if they want to come on as a customer within the next year. But we're building fast and furious those relationships to see what, what makes the most sense.
3: Sure. And the customers that were paying customers obviously know that new companies are coming in and using it for free. Uh, maybe yes. they don't know that. Are you giving it to them for free? Have you stopped billing your existing customers as well?
4: We Right now, what we've been doing has been because that's the first, th- that was the second thing I said. The first thing was like, don't blame me for churn. And the second thing I said was, um, you know, how are we going to negotiate that piece together? Of course, from the the CFO was like, absolutely not. We can't just give free for renewals because we've already counted on those things. But what we did is be able to, neg- we actually are negotiating with those um, markets so that if it, it was something that they know they were hit financially, that we would push it out three months rather than having those dates to make sure that it still makes sense and then allow them to adjust the numbers in their contract because they might have layoffs that's that's kind of what we're, we're anticipating but it's at the same time that we're adding this additional product at the same time so it's kind of a um they also know that some of the the pieces of the newer product are going to be three-fourths baked and so um they recognize that they're fine with what they they have we're not giving them that product we're giving people the the newer product and so they you know we're working together from that that aspect. It ends up being, um, overall, if you look at it from a 360 vision, a win for every, for all of us. Um, but it's definitely shifted our, our focus from, from success really hard on the engineering and making sure the product is right. That's how we're making it. So it's not a disaster for customer success. I was like, we, if we're moving, we can't move everybody to a product that doesn't work and then not be able to build that up in customer success. So we've kind of built those workflows, turn some of the account managers into um, a little bit more of product managers sharing that information and um, moving quickly to make sure that we're, it's gonna be built out for everyone. Yeah, have you had to
3: change any of your onboarding processes or any of your playbooks?
4: Yes, 1000%. Instead of, we used to um, do all of it customized one-on-one based on the information that we knew about the client. Um, we've changed it to, we utilize um, Pendo. So we're utilizing and building out the onboarding method there. Um, so that we can get more people in faster. Um, and then we started, instead of tracking um, usage by accounts, started looking at usage by module um, and trying to put our training and our um, customer success outreach based on um, the different modules that they're working on and how those will work better and lumping them together so we can build community around that as well. Because a lot of these companies have lost half their teams. And so this helps them feel like they have that that community and they're all working on the similar things. Wow.
3: That's great. You're doing a lot of great things for the community during this time. Thank
5: you. Um hi everybody, it's Alex Farmer. I work for a, a company called IncoPro. Um and yes, we've had that all of our, I mean, worth probably setting the scene. We do annual contracts, you prefer annual upfront. So it's not an issue of withholding payment, it's asking, it's an issue of um, asking for money back. So um, we do online brand protection. That's our technology. So we protect um, consumers on behalf of brands from, you know, essentially engaging or buying unknowingly counterfeit online. You can imagine the luxury brands that we would work with are having major challenges. I think someone mentioned, uh, uh, had a reflection on that earlier. I think that was you. And, um, you know, we also work with health and pharma companies who are seeing a massive increase in activity, Right. So, you know, so, so we've seen a big shift and the focus for our luxury brands, you know, there are a few who have asked for money back um, for us. It's, you know, wh- what I've created for my team is, is a, a playbook of almost like a hierarchy of needs that we've got blessed by our finance team. You know, if a customer comes and asks for something, okay, let's start with this and then kind of go down a list from the best option for us to the worst option. And then to kind of where our floor is just to prepare the team to be able to negotiate. So actually the first uh, step is to offer our customers our premium features for free. Um, so they get more for the money they're already paying. Uh, then, you know, if they want to pause their subscription, we'll add, you know, you want to pause for three months, that's fine. Let's add three months to the end of the contract. So the overall value um, remains the same, and so on and so forth. But I think just to challenge the premise of the question slightly, one of the key things that we've done and are doing for the industries where we're getting a, like an inkling of, you know, like the luxury uh, and fashion industry is getting an inkling of potential requests coming down the pipeline for budget cuts, is trying to be proactive by offering them premium features for free before they ask. Because I think one of the things that's important—I know we're all obsessed about our numbers—but you know, if if a CFO is going to go to a business and say everybody needs to cut their budget by 20% for the next three months, you know, our our thinking is how can I ensure for our budget holders we've already done something that makes sure that our business is not in the crosshairs right so by giving them this proactively you know we're already able to say kind of be on the front foot if they come to us saying hey we've already given you something with a value of x for free are you asking for more or are you just kind of shaking the trees to see what you can get and i think that's been um, pretty effective for us obviously the second benefit is it gives us a lead generation um, tool for expansion um, you know product module upsell or cross sell in q3 q4 so we're kind of um, getting benefits on both sides here Um, and the response has been really positive from our customers The one more thing, the last thing I'll say on that is, um, we're being quite annoying in that uh, we're making customers sign uh, a like 100% discounted order form, with the thinking being that that may make its way to a finance department or to a CFO who is going to be the one that says cut budgets by 10%. So that piece of paper becomes, in some very small way, maybe we're giving ourselves too much credit, but. Uh, almost like advertisement for our business as doing something proactive when the the approach, you know, for so many is to kind of nickel and dime people and say, no, no, you can't have anything. I'm holding on to our cash. See you later. Uh, So it puts us in a good position for the long term.
1: My first charge here was really just to kind of level set and understand what a healthy customer looks like at Integrate and what um, a troubled account um, looks like.
0: I really like the idea of uh of moving away from this company culture of red accounts being like a bad thing because red accounts happen for so many different reasons. Like sometimes the CSMs can get a little intimidated if that happens and they think it's on them, but we talk about it all the time. It's a company issue. So. I
2: like that. How often are we engaging with the customer? Each segment has a a recommended engagement model. So we know that not every customer is going to engage us the way we want them to. Um, But we do do recommend to each segment that they be engaging with their customers and what we would call a high valued activity, so an HVA. A high-value activity would be an on-site meeting, uh, completed a successful completed EBR, a video meeting, things of those sorts. We don't look at things like email correspondence. That to us is not a
1: high-value activity. To jump in, Anika. Here, I'm Director of Customer Success at Zap, uh, we're a business intelligence platform. I'm in London, but my team is located all over the world. And since this started, we've kind of just revamped our entire customer structure and how we actually segment our customer base. We realized that um, our our key customers were no longer our key customers. It didn't matter how much ARR they were paying us. We kind of created three different buckets. We call them now thriving, surviving and risk customers. Mm So, um, and we base that breakdown now by um, the industry the customer's in, the annual revenue of that actual business. So not how much money they're paying us, but their annual revenue, Mm -hmm. um, their number of users with our platform, their daily number of logins, and then finally, their ARR that they, they do pay us.
6: Do you find that managing your customers based on their health status takes away from your team's ability to be proactive with their engagement?
1: And so I think that having a health score that's more designed right now, obviously this might be different when we're not like post-corona, but um, during coronavirus, I think that it's it's important for us to see who's really uh, the health score that we should focus on and, and the customer we should focus on.
7: We've moved away from having CSMs flagged manually, and now data sets the risk risk types for us. So you're kind of flip-flopping the motion. Before, it was a qualitative with quantitative measures to back up, and now it's quantitative-led with a CSM validated.
6: One of the things that he he mentioned that I think has been critical is how important uh, like executive level relationships are at the C level. Um, your champion could love you and love your product or service, um, but you know the CFO could be putting you on like the maybe list for you know continuing to, to spend money on that product. And so um, either ensuring you have a direct relationship with you know the CFO or, or some type of VP level contact um, or have confidence that your point of contact, is being transparent with you um, and has that level of transparency, you know, with their CFO is really important.
7: So uh, a couple things we haven't seen. um, We haven't seen a real degradation yet in, uh, or let me say it differently. We haven't seen a, a, an increase in, in churn, which is good. I think we're, so we're in call centers. We're kind of baked into the overall cost uh, of of operation, and we provide critical reports coming out of, you know, Cisco or other telephone systems. So it's really, um, you know, the cost benefit is is there. Um, somebody, and I'm sorry, I don't I don't remember who it was, but somebody made the comment about, I think it was Elizabeth, but about um, customers saying. Uh, we're busy, we can't talk to you right now, we got things going on. So we're not seeing that as a proxy or an indicator of churn, but we are seeing it as a um, as an indicator in uh, the, the drop in, in future sales. Um, April and May uh, uh, pipeline right now um, is super light because a bunch of stuff is eh, super light. Um, it's down significantly, let me say, um, because uh, we're just seeing a lot of stuff pushed out until there's more certainty in the market, but the customers that are with us
3: are sticking with us. Uh, I think marketing led messaging can be viewed in different ways during these times. So basically, all customer engagement is coming from customer success, sometimes sales, but mostly customer success. And the idea being that it's not about trying to sell you anything right now, but more so how can we help? What are the different ways we can add value? And fortunately, again, for Intello, we have different solution offerings that allow us to engage our customers beyond what we. Historically, have done so. It's and that's unclear right now whether it's going to work. Obviously, it's it's a work in progress, and we to that point we're A/B testing a lot of our communications as well, literally trying one that's more empathetic and one that's more info fact based. So just seeing sort of what works and trying to be as
8: adaptable as possible.
9: Shifting what they're how they're looking at customer health, just like everybody's been talking about, uh, and how they can really translate the value that they're providing, and in, in, in a different way sometimes, because the way that they might have been talking about the value previously, and some of the goals customers might have had previously, aren't the same goals anymore. And so, if you keep having sort of the same conversations, even if it's why somebody bought, uh, then you're you're just kind of talking over them a little bit. So, being able to step back and and look at what's happening right there in their in their business and how can they pivot so that they can then you know kind of talk to what's happening right now um, has been uh, pretty successful and switch and changing up success plans and resetting goals that's a great time to come back and, have, and set those you know those common goals because you might have set them before and mm-hmm. now everything's changed. And this is a great opportunity to get back in touch with your customers and reassess and reset goals and get them on board uh, with respect to what does it look like right now?
8: Uh, hi everyone, Chris Mitchell here. Um, yeah, I just wanted to um, expand a little bit on, on uh, some of the comments that were made there and, and talking about delivering value and, and making sure you understand the goals and objectives of your customers. and. Um, One of the problems I've always seen in the past with a lot of CSMs is they focus totally on their direct customer, so the user of their platform, and they don't really get um, deep-level penetration into the organization and drive up the value chain to understand their customer's um, line manager's goals and his director's goals, and and then all the way up through the business until you're actually really understanding the true business goals that need to come out of your platform. Because very often the goals from your direct user aren't in tune with the business, aren't in tune with the stakeholders necessarily. And, and, and to give an example of that, um, I used to be the VP of Customer Successful on 24 um, Martech um, webinar platform, very focused on demand generation. So in very simplistic terms, the, the um, marketing um, executive who's organizing events might be interested in getting 100, 200, 300 bums on seats. But their boss actually couldn't give a damn how many people turn up. They want to make sure the right um, titles turn up. Um, and actually you know so I don't care if uh, there's 300 how many of those are actually VPs or directors or that kind of thing and then when you go one line higher actually they don't care about that they actually care about who of those are actually buying I want to know who are actually buyers out of that lot so as you see the 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 objective um, gets filtered and focused the higher up the value chain you get so make sure you penetrate your organization and understand all the way up the value chain what those objectives are well, I know we've got about
0: two minutes left, um, so we'll try and and uh, make sure we get everybody out of here on time. But appreciate everybody coming. I think you know again we uh, we tried the breakout rooms for the first time. Hopefully. Uh, You heard some diverse voices uh, in the groups, and that everybody got some more value in terms of having more of an intimate, smaller group. So, um, as always, we'll send out a survey right after. Uh, Hope to just gather some feedback, make sure, you know, again, we can keep iterating and drive value. Uh, Thanks to Megan, Nils, David, and Jay for leading those sessions. I really appreciate you guys uh, spending some time with us. And then um, as we mentioned, you know we're excited about launching this uh, community in terms of uh, a platform between these sessions that we do on a weekly basis. So um, if you're interested in helping us uh, get that off the ground, you'll see a little moniker in the survey that we send out. So please indicate uh, if you'd like to help us do that. So uh, thank you again. Hope everybody has a great Thursday, a good weekend, and uh, hopefully we get to get outside and some fresh air. Hey guys, thanks so much for taking the time to listen to the Gain, Grow, Retain podcast you liked what you heard, please take a moment and share the podcast with your friends and colleagues and subscribe. We really appreciate it. Talk to you soon.